coming up on Facts from the Stacks. So, well, <laughs> then you should get ready for the BLTini. I feel like this cookbook is going to make me mad. <laughs> it is a, it's a BLT in champagne jello. Oh my gosh. Why? Welcome back, book-loving bakers, cookbook connoisseurs, and food fiends. Ooh. Um, this is our third episode of Facts from the Stacks about cookbooks and food and recipes. Woo. We're big foodies, I think. Yeah. Like us as a library oh, yeah. group of as people. Staff, yeah. We're really food-oriented and food-motivated. Mood. Um, so this should be a fun episode. Yeah. Welcome to Facts from the Stacks, a news and trivia podcast for book nerds and library lovers. Facts from the Stacks, created by the staff at the Jackson-Madison County Library, is your library news and book-based trivia podcast. Join your hosts, Kelly and Shane, for what we're reading, what's happening in the library, and tons of trivia. We will have games and quizzes so you can follow along and test your knowledge, but also so we can stump our other library staff. Let's get started with what we've recently borrowed. Um, I am currently listening to Daisy Jones and the Six on audiobook by Taylor Jenkins Reid. So I read the physical book last year and I really liked it. And then I just started the audiobook because I had wanted to listen to it anyways because it has a whole ensemble cast. So I was Ooh. like, ooh, I want it from that perspective. And then I still haven't started the Prime series yet before I started the audiobook. So now I am listening to the audiobook and then watching the episodes, kind of trying to keep in keep time with each other synced up with each yeah, other yeah it's like a whole experience and i'm really enjoying it that's fun yeah. um so i borrowed uh megan on dvd oh yes everyone's favorite killer android robot thing um, of course so that's a really fun movie yeah um and i also did because we're doing the food episode um yeah. the food dehydrator Ooh. um and i did papaya Yummy. And also, for everyone who's listening, reach out to us about what you've recently borrowed. Yeah. Because we would love to talk about, you know, the things that our listeners are reading and mm -hmm. watching or, you know, checking out from here, too. Yeah, that's my favorite thing to hear. What, what you reading. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> or watching or utilizing. Yeah, all of the things that <laughs> we have. As it were. Yeah. Did You Know is our general trivia segment where we talk about today's topic. Did you know? Did you know? Did you know? All right, you big know-it-all. Did you know? I decided to look up just weird food. Yeah. Um, because, like, food trends are a huge thing. Like, True. we go through these phases of being obsessed with one kind of food or one thing. Yeah. And then it kind of fades off for a while. But there's always like a resurgence of it. So I was like, let's talk about spam. Why not? Consciously, I've never eaten spam. Me neither, as far as I know. Um, I, I might have to just after this segment, just because. <laughs> um, but I have some spam facts here. So spam was... Is that like... I'm sorry. Is the cover of that like spam french fries? It, it sure is. <laughs> 
their spam fries. I'm just distracted already by I'm, the cover of the cookbook. So I have, we haven't even I, started. <laughs> I have brought in the cookbooks that I got some of this information from. Um, I have the ultimate spam cookbook. Of course. Um, we will be discussing some of the facts in here because they go into the history of spam. Oh, excellent. Um, and, That's why it's the ultimate. Uh, right. <laughs> and then also some of the like recipes in here that I'm like, ooh, these are good. Or like, oh, those look real weird. Yeah. So we're going to talk about some of that. <laughs> so spam was introduced in July of 1937. Um, okay. It was made of pork shoulder because it wasn't a cut that sold well. So they were like, let's take this thing that nobody uses mm-hmm. and let's make it edible, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> um, nobody really knows why spam is called spam. I was going to ask, like, does spam stand for something? So there's an acronym. there's a theory that mm. it stands for spiced ham. Oh. But the only people who actually know are, like, the top executives of the spam brand. Oh, it's like a super secret. It's a secret. Oh, I love that. So they actually had a contest to name it and the person who named it won a hundred dollars but no one really knows anymore like it's wow. it's a secret that's fascinating yeah it's like our kfc like spice blend yeah. it's a secret that's so fun um so it got really popular during world war ii because it was so easy to send out to soldiers okay. so they would just pack some some spam in there and send it out because of that it got really popular in hawaii and the other pacific islands oh that makes sense that's why it's so popular oh my god exactly yeah wow. yeah um so it has become so popular in those areas that it is um hawaii accounts for seven million cans of spam sold every year wow um they are like the number one consumer of spam huh so the u.s because of hawaii is the largest consumer countrywide. got it with korea being the next under that list huh, i never would have guessed that. Mm-hmm. and it's also really really popular in other like asian nations okay it, it just took off and how popular it was because they do all kinds of things with it we'll be right back with more facts from the stacks so you've listened to a podcast about cookbooks and cooking and you want to give it a shot but the last time you tried to cook someone posted it on tiktok Everybody's so creative. Well, luckily, the library has an online resource where you can learn how to cook, bake, and so much more. Plus, you get continuing education credit for them. Oh, it looks like something you probably would never do, but now that you're seeing it, you might try it. Universal Class has over 100 online courses that are self-paced. Learn how to cook, knit, draw, start a business, make candles, and, well, just about anything you can think of. All for free. This is the joy of making it yourself. No one can tell you what to do. Check out the description or visit the library's website for more info. Um, This is kind of talking about recipes, but not... These are not, like, really, really notable, but, like, they make... Um, spam sushi. Yeah. Like with the rice ball and the spam yes. on top and the seaweed around it. Yes. Yeah, like that's sweet. a really popular thing. Yeah. Um, ridiculous. <laughs> um, so, I've not tried it, but my husband tried it when we went to Hawaii and he really liked it. Oh, that's right. You went I to Hawaii. Like, I feel like spam is kind of a, well, okay. So yeah. So I'm from California originally, right? So pre my time here, I only thought of spam in the context of Hawaii. Like, oh, it was right. it's a big thing in Hawaii. And then here, I feel like people eat it more 
more regularly than what I was used to. So now I feel like it's kind of a Southern thing too. Like it's not like where I was from, it was like, Oh, what a funny, like joke food. Right. But people like legitimately eat it here. Very legitimately. Yeah. And so I'm like, maybe I need to get on that train. Maybe. Like maybe we need to try it, but how it's made. Ooh. Yeah. So this is like a really quick rundown, but so they grind up pork and they mix it with salt, water, potato starch, sugar and sodium nitrite to preserve the meat Um, they then like heat that mixture up a little bit and then put it into the cans and they seal the cans and then the spam is cooked in the can whoa so like they cook it in the can for three hours huh and then cool it and then they just slap a label on it and out it goes that's way less yucky than i was expecting i thought spam was like a hot dog where it's like just who knows what's in there mystery meat but yeah it's like genuinely like you know like a can of tuna that's not that crazy yeah no i'm learning so much (laughs) reading the spam cookbook is just i was like wow it really opened my eyes to new things with spam she gets a bad rap but it really does a can of pork yes so (laughs) it is so popular in other places that in southeast asia Spam is regarded as a luxury good, and it is not uncommon, and it is not inappropriate to gift someone a spam, like gift basket as a wedding as a A wedding wedding gift gift. wow yeah that's is that like giving them like a caviar yeah (laughs) yeah it's it's a luxury good it's like classy yeah like a harry and david like those fancy summer sausage baskets yes but but it's spam but it's spam um so in this cookbook there are definitely some weird recipes Mm -hmm. so the weird ones they have um spam monkey bread Oh, so is it like chunks? It is a monkey bread with just chunks of spam. Whoa. It's a little, it's a little disturbing. Um, I don't know that I'm here for that. Oh my gosh. Yeah. That looks like exactly what you would think of, like monkey bread, but insert chunks of meat. This award-winning Spam recipe has only gotten better, moving from first place to the grand prize winner in only a year. It's sweet and savory, chock full of Spam, butter biscuits, cinnamon, honey, and maple bourbon. Wow. Yeah. So that's a weird one. Um, They also list a Spam PB&J. And I don't, that's another one that I'm like, I don't know that I can get behind that. I feel like you're there's two types of people in the world where you're either like that's disgusting why would they ever do that or I feel like I'm more in the camp where I'm like obviously if it's legitimate enough to be in a cookbook there's a reason like I maybe I'm very trusting but I'm like oh well if it's you know in an official cookbook it must be good like they wouldn't just put it in there I mean I, and maybe <laughs> maybe there is some like maybe there's something to it like maybe it's like it's like the, you know, pregnant women, when they get their cravings, they'll like try the craziest off the wall thing. And yeah. they're like, it's actually good. Yeah. And then other people are like, oh, it is actually good. Yeah. Um, the Spam PB&J, which looks exactly like you would expect it to. Yeah. Um, you'll be surprised, maybe even shocked at how well Spam goes together with peanut butter and jelly. Try it once and you'll try it a hundred more times. Hmm. I wish you had tried it because I want to I want to know like. Is it like how similar is it to just like lunch me ham? You know? Yeah, I, That's what I I'm feel curious about. I feel like it can't be that much different. Yeah. Like it's gotta be pretty similar. Yeah. I think 
I think between this episode and next, we need to try some spam. I don't eat pork. Dang it. <laughs> That's why I'm well, like, I wish you Then knew. I will yeah, try. Yeah, you'll have to tell me, like... I will try some spam. Yeah, how different is it from, like, ham? There are a couple of interesting recipes that I think I would actually try. Okay. Um, they do um, spam ramen. Okay, I could see that. So, like, I can I can definitely see that, like, yeah. with all the, the fixins and stuff. And then there's a spam tater tot bake. Oh, that's got to be good. And that's I a think, breakfast. Yeah, I think I would probably eat almost anything that was put in a tater tot bake. That's a really good point. Yeah, now that you've stated that, I can't really think of anything that would not be good in a tater tot bake. Yeah, um, but that's what I've got for the spam cookbook. So, like, it's a <sighs> it's an interesting, it's a multifaceted what a thing. journey. We it's a journey. It's a journey. I didn't expect it to be so nuanced. Yeah. So um, I really enjoy cookbooks personally. Um, that's just like the structure with which I like to decide what to eat, I guess. That's fair. <laughs> so I check out a lot of cookbooks and some of um, my favorites in our collection. I'm a big Half-Bake Harvest fan. Half-Bake Harvest. Yeah. So I think she started out as a blog, but now she has three cookbooks and they're all really good. I don't know why I like them so much. I mean, they all just, I mean, they're not hard. So like they always turn out well. And like, I feel like Half-Baked Harvest recipes are always like, when you're trying to be fancy or extra, if you will, like all of her recipes have like a lot of ingredients and there's always like weird stuff in there that you don't have at home. Like you buy it for that recipe. Okay. So it kind of makes you feel fancy, I guess, but like you can you have still a, do it. Like you have a sophisticated palate. Exactly. Exactly. Like, cause they're not hard, but then you kind of feel like a fancy gal. Because you just made something with like this random paste that you'd never that you would of. never have used before. Exactly. So her stuff is good. And then I just tried the Magnolia cookbook, like the Joanna Magnolia Gaines. table. Yeah, Magnolia yeah. table. That's good. There's just like some classics in there, like stuff you kind of already know how to make, but like here's exactly how to do it, and like some stuff you know here's I don't know a twist on the classics. Okay. I mean, I know when that came out, it was. Like, it was checked out so much. Yeah, it's really good. Like, I've made, like, I made a steak recipe from that book, for example, which is, like, who needs a recipe about how to make a steak? But, um, I don't know, just, like, the extra tips that she had in there. And then she had a recipe for this herbed butter to put with it. Oh. Yeah. So, it's, like, you know, like, if you want to learn how to t- cook the basics, slash, if you want, you know, a little spicy, spicy twist on the classics, it's That's good for that. That's interesting. That sounds good. Um, and then two that are really fun are the Disney Parks cookbook and the Harry Potter cookbook. Ooh. Those are both fun. Especially, like, if you're a Disney person, like a Disney theme parks person, it's really fun to, like, try to make the stuff that you are used to eating at the parks. I've never been to Disney. Oh, gosh. Okay. Yeah. Well, if you're, like, a Disney person, like, some people are just in it for the food. Like, the food is, like, a whole element of the culture at the theme parks. Oh. Yeah. And so it's fun to, like, make the, like, iconic cult classic foods from the park. Okay. Yeah. And then the Harry Potter one. Is it the unofficial one yeah, with the I purple? Think both, yeah. Both of them are purple covers, and they're both unofficial. Nice. Some of the scenes when you're reading Harry Potter, you're like... Like, when they're eating in the Great Hall, you're like, sign me up. That sounds so good. Well, and, you know, because a lot of it's, 
like European or like yeah, British stuff foods I've never heard of. that we like treacle tarts. Yeah. Before I started Sounds watching, so good. Yeah. Like, what is it? I had no idea what it was, and <laughs> until I like started watching Bake Off. Yes. I don't think I ever did yeah. really know yeah. what it was. <laughs> yeah. And then my last one is it's called Ogussy, and it's by Kimberly Schlapman. I think is her name. She's in the country band Little Big Town. I'm familiar. Yeah, which I'm a huge fan of theirs. And so when I saw she had a cookbook, I was like, absolutely, let's do this. And I made some delicious stuff out of that book. Wow. Yeah. Is it just like Southern comfort Yeah, foods? pretty much. And like, she's just really cute. So it's like a cute book. So this chunk of research that I did was just fun facts about the history of cookbooks. Oh. So the first... American cookbook to be published in the United States, based on what I found in multiple sources, was called American Cookery by Amelia Simmons, and it was published in 1796. So that was like the first one published here. Interesting. Like American food. Like in an American publishing yeah, setting. That's exactly. cool. So that's fun because I feel like the recipes in that book would be like sort of the basis. I mean, American food, is that even really a thing? But as far as like, if you wanted to start at the beginning, mm-hmm. that's that. And then Betty Crocker was the next thing, obviously, to look into. So Betty Crocker is not a real person. I didn't assume she was. I didn't think she yeah, was. Yeah, she is fictitious. Um, and she was invented in 1921 to answer baking questions. So I think it's by whatever parent company that is, you know, people would write in and so they had it's almost like dear abby like betty crocker would answer betty. yeah dear betty how do i make eggs I keep burning my pancakes exactly and then she was like let me make you a mix <laughs> <laughs> um and then betty crocker's picture cookbook debuted in 1950 and sold more copies that year than the bible so betty Whoa. crocker's picture cookbook is like the classic 1950s housewife cookbook like that's the one that you think of. Wow, that's cool. Yeah. We'll be right back with more Facts from the Stacks. We all know that libraries have books, and most of us know that libraries have had movies since VHS tapes were still a thing. But did you know the library has so much more? Want to make pasta but don't want to buy a pasta machine? Need a drill to make some very important home repairs? What about a new board game that isn't Monopoly, so you can play games with friends and family without hating them? Yeah, we have that too. Check one out. So next time you visit the library, be sure to check out our library of things to find your thing. I also looked into Jello molds mm-hmm. because that is a movement that I don't think I could get behind. Like I can, <laughs> I can get behind spam. I don't know that I can get behind Jello molds. You're anti Jello molds. I think so, yeah. Especially yeah. after my research. Just morally. <laughs> um, so I, I I looked at this book called The Great Gelatin Revival by Ken Albala. Um, and I the thought... Revival. The Revival. That's dramatic. Um, so I thought maybe there would be some stuff in here that would change my mind. Mm-hmm. And I don't think it did. Well, that's good that you went into it with an open heart. I tried to. Yeah. Um, so let's 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 talk about this book and the history of Jello molds. Okay. So you can there is there's a lot of history of gelatin in here. Wow. You can check the book out and you can read it. Um, but there are 85 pages in this book before you ever see a recipe. Huh. I never would have guessed. So 
you know, if listeners want the full story, it's they can go read. Dive. It's a deep dive. But um, gelatin molds were first popularized in the mid 1700s. Um, they figured out, you know, boiling various um, animal bits would result mm-hmm. in gelatin. Um, and they used it. It was like a sign of status at that time. Ooh. Like you would have a big party and you would have your big jello mold in the middle of the table. Um, like a boss. Yeah. They were really like decorative elaborate things like they weren't just slap things in a jello mold they were really carefully crafted and they you know like these big tall gelatin towers would be like oh they're fancy they have their dinner with a jello tower oh that's how you know that's how you knew (laughs) um so they were just these centerpieces that they would put in so Fast forward to the early 1900s, we got instant gelatin in a packet. Oh, yeah. It was something that, at the time, housewives could go pick up, Mm -hmm. and it already had the sugar in it, so, like, they didn't have to waste their sugar in their other stash to make the gelatin. Okay. Um, But it also allowed them to take anything that was, like, leftovers, and they could put it in a jello mold and it would oh. it would last longer. They could preserve it, and they could eat those leftovers. Wow, that um, seems like a slippery slope. It really, <laughs> and that's that's kind of the vibe I get is that they kind of went a little they off took the it deep too far. end. They took it too far, <laughs> and I'm going to tell you why. We also saw them resurface in like the 50s and 60s because jello molds were considered to be like neat and tidy like they're very neat things right and that was a huge thing in the domestic arts of the 50s and 60s was like neat and tidy everything's like there's no mess like that was a huge thing so jello molds got popular then as well i see okay lime flavored jello was the most popular for making savory jello molds. Mm-hmm. Um, and they would put vinegar in it to cut the sweetness. Whoa. It sounds so nasty. That's crazy. Yeah. The only thing I can think of, like lime being mixed with savory, just reminds me of like Mexican food. Right. So, like a steak taco with a drizzle of lime, but that doesn't bounce to gelatin in my mind. <laughs> no, no. They they use lime flavored for almost anything. Hmm. Like the the classic like pictures of them where you see like peas in a jello mold, yeah. that's lime jello. No. Yeah, <laughs> that's that's, no. Lime, that's lime jello. <laughs> in the 70s and 80s, they got less popular because we got Microwave meals. We got TV dinners. Ah, okay. So at that point, women were starting to enter the workforce more, Mm -hmm. and there was less time for cooking. So -hmm. you couldn't just just wait on your Jello mold. Exactly. (laughs) So we had microwave meals. So our frozen like TV dinners let women make dinner quickly at the time. Yeah. You know. So Jello molds fell out of style. Jello out. And Mister. Obala here is trying to bring them back. The revival. Got it. Okay, I get why it's a revival now. It's a revival because they fell off. Yeah. So he talks about... (laughs) I'm going to show the pictures while we do this because I need you to see what I saw. Yeah, you got to take some with you. The first recipe that I saw Mm -hmm. is takoyaki jello. Um, Takoyaki is a Japanese dish that is... It's like a little fried... Like a pancake ball, but with like octopus in it. Okay. Um, it's very popular, but they made takoyaki jello, and so it's just, <gasps> it's 
It's a, oh. it's just a clear gelatin with a whole tiny little octopus in it. A whole dang octopus. There's no way that okay. So you have that Jello version of that food next to the original. Those are not the same. No. Like usually when you make a blank version of a food, it's like you're trying to make it taste like the Impossible Burger, for example. It right. mimics the texture and taste of a hamburger. This is like a completely different dish. Yes. I yes. just feel like he can't. You shouldn't call it that. Like that's a new food now. Right. It's not a Jello. However you say that word, it's a new th- a new food inspired by. Yes. So well, <laughs> then you should get ready for the Bltini. I feel like this cookbook is going to make me mad. <laughs> it is a, it's a BLT in champagne jello. Oh my gosh. Why? So it's literally because champagne bread jello. Because is a substitute of champagne? Champagne jello. <laughs> yeah. So it's literally, it's literally a stack of a piece of ham because that is not bacon. And then That's some, wrong too. And then some <laughs> lettuce, and then a tomato, and then the olive with the skewer through it. Don't have any bread hanging around? No worries. Just get your champagne jello out of the cabinet. Like, those are not equivalent. And this guy don't make no sense. It's not the same thing. So then we move forward to. Oh, it's. Yeah, I, I got real heated while, li- while reading through this. This is making me upset. <laughs> Eggs Benedict in champagne jello. Oh, oh, and the sauce is all, ugh. oh my gosh. I knew it was going to be bad. It's so bad. Why? Okay. Tell me why this man thinks that jello, champagne jello is the same as bread. But he's still got the, there's still the, oh, the English, the English muffin, muffin. Look at the, at the bottom. bottom. Yeah. What's the deal with the champagne jello? I don't so understand. You made an entire eggs Benedict and you said, let's put it in jello. Because this process, it is a whole eggs benedict that he has put yeah, in this jello. I don't, me and him don't think the same way. No, <laughs> no. And then it gets, it gets real bad because he is from a different world. I did not put down the page number for this one, probably because I was horrified. You're like, do I want to remember this? Well, it's, not sure. <laughs> it's called, it's called the Gen Z cocktail. Oh no. Which consists of flaming Hot Cheetos. Oh my Cranberries. I don't know why. Where do you get the cranberries from? String cheese. White claw. (laughs) What? Ground beef and avocado. Okay. That's like three hot foods mixed with regular random food. Because Gen Z loves ground beef. What? (laughs) Now, admittedly, he does say that he made that one as a joke. Okay. But like... I don't even get the joke, though. (laughs) What is it? I don't like that. It would make more sense if like everything in that was like typical Gen Z foods. But why is there ground beef and string cheese? Like string cheese to me is like a 90s kid food. Yes, I agree with that. I don't understand. Um, Can I look at the picture again? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I don't really get it. I don't get it either. So the only thing in this entire book that I can mm-hmm. vibe with yes, are any it. of the like fruit gelatin recipes, mm-hmm. but all all of them, every single one is made with alcohol and I'm not, I don't really imbibe. Yeah. Why does it, why can't you just have like, 
So like these are regular fruit jello, like your 1950s mom would make. So I got yeah, I gotta say I'm also not a member of the gelatin revival. Yeah, so I'm gonna vote no on that. So Ken, I think if you're trying to bring back gelatin, you should make appealing recipes because those are not even the scariest. It's just make a scene. It's like Bob Ross. But with gelatin. Gelatin art. But you can't eat it. I mean, you can. Ken says you can. I don't believe him. Wow. All right. That's it. I'm done traumatizing everyone now. (laughs) That was a lot. Yeah. Our final facts and quiz segment will be right after this break. Do you love doing art projects but never really have the space to do them? Do you want to try something new but you're a little afraid to buy everything only to find out you don't really like it? The Libraries Makerspace has tons of supplies for you to tackle your arts and crafts projects. Every Monday at 11, you can try your hand at watercolor painting, paper craft, knitting, sculpting, and so much more. Plus, you'll listen to a podcast in the meantime. Busy hands, fun listening. Come create with us. All right, so in my research on the history of cookbooks and recipes, I came across some old recipe terminology that we don't use anymore. So I just thought it was kind of interesting. So the first one is oleo, O-L-E-O, and that's the same as margarine. Now, I have seen that one because my grandmother's recipe for chocolate chess pie calls for oleo instead of margarine or butter. Yeah, that's why I found it interesting because, yeah, same thing. I found um, like a handwritten recipe uh, from my husband's like great aunt and I wanted to make it for him like, you know, nostalgia reasons. And I was like, I don't even know what that is. Yeah. But yeah, it's just margarine. So that was fun. Yeah. And then soured milk is buttermilk and sweet milk is whole milk. Sweet milk is just whole milk? Yeah. So I thought that was interesting. Like they just spoke about milk differently than we do. And then the other thing I thought was interesting um, was about oven temperatures. Because if you think about it, like... Well, originally, before there were ovens, it's like, yeah, you can't set your fire to 350 degrees. You build a stove, yeah, like right. build a fire with wood. Because this was talking about how there's very slow, slow, moderate, quick, and very hot ovens. So very slow is like, if you were going to make that recipe today, it would be 200 to 250 degrees. And then if it says cook in a slow oven, you'd set it to 275. Moderate, 350 to 400. Quick, 400. Um, and then very hot, 450 to 500. Wow. So I just thought that was cool because, yeah, one of the things I thought about if you were going to try to re- reproduce an old recipe is if it was written before ovens, like how do you know at which temperature to bake it? So this is very handy. And then there's like all the common terms that we still have, though, mm-hmm. like a pinch. Yeah, is a sixteenth of a teaspoon. Oh. And then a dash is an eighth of a teaspoon. Okay. And a smidgen, smidgen. is a one thirty second of a teaspoon. Ooh, teensy. So like three grains of salt. Like I don't know <laughs> like I don't know what difference that would make, but that's those are some fun ones that I yeah, saw. That's cool. Today's quiz features answers from Trevin and Rachel at the main library and Colleen and Brooke from the North Branch in that order. So what what we're going to do for a quiz today, mm-hmm. we're going to do a spam flavor quiz. Oh. There are a bunch of different flavors of spam. So what I'm going to do is... Like I'm that gonna, you can buy? Yes. Okay. Yes. So you could buy a can of X flavored spam. Yes. Okay. Spam product. 
and I'm going to list four of them. One of them is fake. So I want you to point out what the fake is. Okay. All right. So the first one is kind of like healthy spam options, quote unquote. Mm, So you have spam light, spam 25% less sodium, plant-based spam, and spam singles, which are individual slices of spam. Spam singles. Spam light. I think it would be... Oh, spam light. I'm gonna say the one that's not real is spam singles. I think the fake one is spam light. Um, the fake is plant-based spam. Oh, okay, well that's coming. If it it's doesn't coming. exist yet, it's coming. And that's why I, that's why I did that one. <laughs> yeah. I was like, that one sounds like they legitimately... No, that sounds legit. Now, some of these like you can't buy anymore, but they, they, they have been official spam flavors. So the next one we have are like weird... I'm, I'm going to call it weird spam. Mm-hmm. Um, these are different versions of spam that you can purchase. Um, so first we have spam fries. Okay. We have spam patties. Okay. We have spam spread. And we have spam bites. Spam spread, I hope. Fries? Oh no. <laughs> okay. Uh, spam spread. I'm going to be honest. I don't think I've ever eaten spam in any form. I haven't either. So I'm going to guess spam bites. Spam bites is the fake. Spam bites is the fake. Oh my gosh. That is the go. fake. Um, I really thought that would throw people because spam spread. Like, what is that? That's so bad that I was like, that must exist. <laughs> <laughs> it must legitimately exist. We have foreign flavors of spam. Mm-hmm. We have chorizo, kimchi, teriyaki, and mezclita, which is, um, I guess, a... Spanish spice of some variety. Kimchi. Okay, well, I'm sure teriyaki has to exist, so... Chorizo? Uh, I don't think that there is kimchi-flavored Spam. Mezclita? I'm gonna guess chorizo is the fake. Chorizo is real. Oh. We, uh, the fake is kimchi. Oh, I just kind of thought since you said it was so popular in, in Asian culture, I was like, that's got to be real. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So we have a lot of different spams that are spam with this extra thing. Okay. Okay. So we have spam with kale, spam with cheese, spam with bacon, and spam with jalapeno. Spam with kale. Cheese? Just because I don't want that to be the answer. Spam with kale is not real. What was the first one again with kale? kale. I'm going to say that one. Spam with kale. Spam with kale is fake. I um, wouldn't be surprised, but just out of the four, I was like, I guess, I guess that's the one that's not real. It, the one like spam with bacon. I know that's kind of redundant. Why but welcome to need... America. <laughs> and, and it's not just I had to cut some of the title out because I didn't want it to sound like it was real by branding it. But yeah. it is the full title mm-hmm. is spam with real Hormel bacon. Ooh, a collab. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Wow. Sponsored. <laughs> and then we have what I've called oddly specific spam. Uh-huh. I love that category. We have figgy pudding. Uh-huh. Maple syrup, pumpkin spice, and Portuguese sausage. Figgy pudding. Pumpkin spice is the not real one. 
I don't think that there's pumpkin spice spam. I'm going to go with figgy pudding. Hmm. I'm going to guess pumpkin spice, even though I wouldn't be surprised if that was real. Uh, pumpkin spice is real. Yeah, okay. The fake is maple syrup. Oh. Uh-huh. So that's <laughs> that's our quiz. Excellent. So we have a lot of cookbooks. We do. We have, a, like, several shelves. Um, this one's not really weird, but it's just, like, fun and notable, which is the classic From Crook to Cook by Snoop Dogg. By Snoop Dogg. I actually pulled that one off the shelf and I was going to talk about yeah. it. And there is some good-looking stuff in there. There really is. Like, there really is. It's good. Um, there's one that I found that's called Solo by Anita Lowe. Um, and it is a modern cookbook that is just for one person. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. So, like, you see so many cookbooks that are, like you're cooking for four people or six people. Mm -hmm. I thought it was really cool that we have a cookbook that is one for that one person. Yeah, it's just one serving. Dang, I wish I knew about that. Yeah, well, and now you're married. Yeah, so too late. It's too late. <laughs> Can't go back to that life. Um, but that was like really cool. I like that one. Yeah. Okay, this one is called Last Dinner on the Titanic by Rich Archbold. Um, and it's, yeah, it's literally like recipes inspired by like the food that was on the Titanic. And we have that. Yeah. I have to check that out. Yeah, kind of. That would be a fun, like, weekend. Because my partner's obsessed with Titanic. Yeah. So this one's not weird so much as fun, I guess. There's a cookbook called Crazy Sweet Creations by Ann Reardon. Hmm. She does um, she does a lot of stuff on YouTube. She's a food scientist. Ooh. Um, but she does a lot of cooking videos, but she also does, like, food debunkings like oh, okay. like those recipes you see on TikTok that they're like microwave this thing and it'll yeah. turn into she debunks all those but she made a cookbook that kind of it's just it breaks down the science behind Ooh. why everything works like why adding more sugar to a cookie means that it browns better or like oh, whatever that's interesting I kind of want to read that yeah she's really fun her her channel's really good too um, it's um, how to cook that is her channel um, okay Roll Dolls Even More Revolting Recipes. That's in the children's section. Apparently there's an original Roll Dolls Revolting Recipes, but we don't have that. We just oh. have even more revolting recipes. Oh. Wow. But that one seemed interesting. And then my last one that I have is it's really I think it's really hilarious. It's called The Hot Mess Kitchen <laughs> um, by Gabby Moskowitz and Miranda Berman. And all of the recipes have really funny names. Ooh, I love that. So there's the Bounced Check Burrito. <laughs> yes. There's Abandonment Issues Apple Pie. <laughs> Me. That's good. <laughs> um, there's the Egg McMade It Myself Sandwich. <laughs> and then there is maybe my favorite in the whole book. Mercury is in retrograde mango smoothie. Oh my gosh. That's the most millennial cookbook I've ever it's heard It's so funny. <laughs> that's awesome. It's hysterical. That's I love great. it. Well, that's our show. Yeah, that's our show. All about food and cooking. That was a good one. I that learned was a lot. Fun. I learned so much. Yeah, and I'm I'm both like a little hungry because it's also my lunchtime. Yeah, um, but also kind of disgusted by some of yeah, the things we've talked like, about. Mm -hmm. Yeah, could go either way. Could go either way. <laughs> um, our next episode will release in two weeks mm -hmm. on May the tenth. Um, and we will do that one about gardening and plants. Excellent. And that should be a fun time. Yeah. Thank you all for listening. Please leave your feedback. Let us know what you would like us to discuss in the future. Um, and we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye.